Welcome, Rinkrats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 28, the Steve Larmer episode. Exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use the discount code THERINK to get all of your Rinkrat gear. There's plenty out there. It's going to start getting cooler in the fall. Get out there. Get yourself, uh, you know, a rink flannel or a hoodie. They've got the hats. They've got everything. So now is going to be the time to, to ramp up. And if you haven't gone out and gotten some, what's wrong with you? So what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. What's wrong with you? Man, I'm tired of being right. <laughs> tell you one thing. If you haven't gone out there and gotten you, you're, well, I'll tell you one thing is wrong with you. Is you're not going to be looking sweet and awesome in that blue and black <laughs> rink flannel. Yeah, like, like like the rink models, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> From the the portly and drooping collection. The short round and the slightly the taller fields. round. <laughs> yeah. Big and tall. Uh, fat and round, yeah. Anyway, today is Thursday, August 9th, 2019, a.k.a. the Scourge of Hockey News. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? And I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hello. We have many questions tonight. Yes. We, have, we have many questions to go through. It's yes. going to be awesome. Yes, we do. Seriously, these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. And together, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hockey hangout, thedashrink.com. So that's us, formalities. Um, before we really get rolling, I just want to say, everyone, thanks for uh, supporting the podcast this summer. We've been getting some really good numbers, despite there not being a ton of news. So uh, we want to keep this uh, momentum rolling into the season. We've got some good uh, guests lined up already, which is really uh, good to see. Uh, but just tonight, it's you and I, the old guys, <laughs> the OGs. The OGs, yeah, the hang, dogs. hanging out to talk about some Blackhawks stuff tonight. Um, so anyway, let's get right into things. Let's dive in. Yeah, we. Um, before we get right into the Blackhawks stuff, I want to talk a little bit about a, a new website. Actually, kind of a shout out. I get it in at the beginning of the the program, which is uh, Puckpedia.com. Um, that we came across this site. Uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago or whatever. But uh, it's kind of a new, a new twist on the cap, uh, salary cap, NHL salary cap kind of thing. They've got some cool new features that, they, that other sites haven't had, which of course you have to kind of have with a new website, something that sets you apart from everybody else. So I, you know, I don't want to, you know, kill all their, uh, you know, their little quirky little things. But uh, there's some really cool stuff. They got a cool logo. They. Uh, they, they're kind of setting up to be kind of more of a one-stop shop thing where they've got the cap stuff. They've got, uh, you know, who to follow on Twitter, what, you know, kind of websites to go to. Plus they've got injury reports. Uh, and uh, as I was looking at it earlier today, uh, I, I noticed they have a, a little section where it has the agent leaderboard, which is kind of cool, where it yeah. has like Pat Brisson's at the top, but uh, it has all these different... Uh, agents and you know basically the total value of active contracts and stuff like that which is kind of cool it's kind of a neat little thing but is uh, our guy pete rutili on there 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he might be. Cause well, if he's not, he should be. I didn't look at the uh, the entire board, but I would assume someone from that uh, agency is in there. Acme, I think. Is yeah, Ac- but they, they list by, you know, they, they kind of do it kind of weirdly. They list by, like, agent name. So Yeah, there's and there are a lot of very big, high-powered representation yeah, sure. groups. I mean, Pat Brisson is part of Creative Artists, which is one of the largest entertainment agent groups in the world. Um, you know, like a lot of the big stars in Hollywood, for example, are, are, uh, represented by CAA as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but you know, get over there and check that website out. They got a lot of cap stuff. Um, you know, they're really cool, really cool guys out there. I think we're, we're going to have the, the guy that, uh, the kind of the big wig over there, we're going to have him on in a future uh, podcast. So Art, we're gonna, Art we're, Levine, I believe is, is yeah, his name. Yeah. Uh, the, so uh, the well-named Hart Levine. Yeah, I know. He's got like a rock star name, doesn't he? Or like a movie he's star cool. name. He's a cool guy. He um, And, uh, you know, Gate was referring to the fact that they that they sort of recommend who to follow and different websites for different teams. And they have deigned the rink.com as the uh, website of the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, that you should follow us. So automatically their judgment goes up about three notches in our eyes. So. <laughs> Yeah, and um, we, we plan on oh, having Puckpedia. Yep. Yeah, we 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 plan on having you know a good friendship with this with these guys. They're they're good guys, and uh, from from what we know so far of them, uh, you know, really getting out there and uh, that you know, because the market was basically barren with all the uh, cap guys being uh, hired by teams and NHL and stuff like that. You really only had one place to go, so now. They're kind of expanding a little bit. And I, honestly, if uh, I had the time, <laughs> I, I might have done something like this, but I just don't have, you know, the time to be able to do something like this. So I'm glad someone that we like <laughs> actually uh, does have the time to do it. So you settled for the rink. That's very gratifying, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> no, I don't have time because, I ha- because I'm spending all my time at the rink. Which, That's true. Which, this coincidentally, true. all you fans should be spending more time at the rink. So That's right. So anyway, that's good. Uh, the other thing, too, I promise that if you leave a uh, podcast review, I will read it. Our boy Ron Luch, or Lucci, Luch, future writer. Ron Luce. Yeah. Ron Luce, a Luce. distant relative of wrestling promoter Bob Luce. <laughs> Are you making yeah. this up, or is this true? I'm 26, dude. That's yeah. <laughs> auto sales. Um, he left us a uh, very nice review, which is, it's nothing flashy, but it's nice, and we really appreciate it, so I want to uh, give a shout-out to him. And all you fans from uh, that read us, you will notice that he's going to start doing some writing for us this year. So we'll have a uh, fresh new face. We have a, a large stable, if you will, uh, <laughs> not of horses, but rather of writers joining us this More year. More like nags and asses, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> Plugs. Yes. But anyway, Mr. Uh, Luce, he says uh, the best, JJ and Gate, and the entire rink. Uh, team are fantastic. Top of the line content. Can't wait for the season to follow these guys. And be part of it, actually. So, I'm sure he'll be on at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, that especially. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, getting into kind of Blackhawks stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that happened. Uh, I uh, I don't want to really start on a down note, but it's, you know, kind of the elephant in the room, the one million pound elephant in the room, which is last podcast, it was, Ray, you know, unfortunately, Ray Emery passed away. And this yeah. time, it was uh, it was you know, a much bigger name, which is Stan Makita passed away just the other day. I'll so, uh, Stan Makita. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he, he's beloved by everybody. You don't see anyone who 
really has a bad word to say about Stan Mikita. So Stan Mikita was, um, I believe he was born in Slovakia, but raised in Canada. And, uh, you know, had a, had a hall of fame career with the Hawks. He was a great player. Um, I had the opportunity to see Stan play in person, um, several times. And, uh, you know, so I think there's a degree to which he was kind of overshadowed, um, by Bobby Hall and, um, you know, uh, some of the more high profile, colorful players, you know, but, but boy, was he a good player. And, and, uh, then he, after, after he retired from hockey, I believe he, yeah, he was a professional golfer. Um, Stan, he was a yeah, golfer. they said he was a scratch golfer. I know, I know I yeah. did hear that. Yeah. And, and I also uh, heard, uh, you know, coach Ditka talking about him, and like everyone uh, had good stuff to say about, you know, Stan Nikita. So unfortunately I really didn't get to see him play. He retired in what, 1980. Uh, I was only, you know, five, six years old and I, I wasn't really into hockey yet, unfortunately, but what I, you know, I kind of said my piece about, you know, how I respect Stan Makita and I was, you know, really honored that, you know, my son was born on the same birthday as Stan Makita, which kind of hold that, hold that close. That's, that's the one that really sticks out to me. And I, if my son can emulate, you know, Stan Makita, that's fine by me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, uh, you know, it's we're sorry to hear that, but uh, unfortunately, he had you know taken ill the last couple of years, and he was yeah. not doing well. Right. And uh, you know, everyone that like knew him closely, you know, said you know the last couple times they went to see him, they just he wasn't really he wasn't doing well at all. So it was kind yeah. of like an inevitability that this was going to happen. And uh, unfortunately, also the namesake of Stan Makita's Donuts in Wayne's World. <laughs> you know, they, I, I'm still surprised that they haven't really done that. I know they did it for the all-star game out in LA, kind of a fake one, but yeah. someone could make a, you know, could make oh, a ton of money to do it. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, his, his, obviously his heirs would have to agree to it. But right. Yeah. For I sure. mean, I think it would be a, I think it would be great. I mean, can you imagine like at the United center, like a Stan Makita's donuts? Yeah, for sure. Huge. It would be. Screw would this be. rank thing. Let's do that. It would be, you know. Yeah, totally. Uh, as long as it's better than uh, Tim Hortons, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway. If you've yeah. ever been to Duck Donuts, just take the Duck Donuts formula and, and put the Stan Makita Donuts. I have uh, not been to Duck that, Donuts, but yeah. Uh, Duck Donuts is the bomb, man. It's so good. Oh, dude. They make a donut. I'm just going to say this. No, I'm going to digress into this. Come on. We're, we're a couple donut. chunky guys, chunky old guys. We like donuts. Dude, they make a donut that is, it is, you know, so these are kind of more cakey donuts. They're not those flaky things that they have at um, Krispy Kreme. These are like the old school cake donuts. They're heavy, like like when they sit in the in the actual cardboard, there's grease on the bottom where the donut was. So they, so they make this donut and they put a, a legitimate, genuine maple glaze on it. And then they put thick cut bacon on it. Wow. It is so good. I'm just gonna leave that with you. Just oh. let that marinate. <laughs> let that marinate. There was a place I went out to in Denver that was actually really good called Voodoo Donuts. That was kind of the same thing. I mean, it was incredible. It's not something you can eat all the time, but no. every once in a while, you got you have to indulge in a in a good donut. Yeah, about eighty milligrams of Lipitor every time you go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you might end up uh, having to uh, amputate a toe or two with the the uh, the diabetes you get. You might. <laughs> 
might need some Trulicity and then some Lipitor. <laughs> All right, we're yeah. going to stop. Not, not to make light of the Stan Makita thing, but, you know. No. And also they said that there's going to be actually a public viewing on Sunday, uh, which I wish I could make it out there, but my son's got a hockey game, unfortunately. But uh, I would like to go to that. But And uh, so if you can make it out there, it'll be in the uh, – uh, the atrium at the United Center from, I think, like 11 to 4 on Sunday afternoon, uh, the 12th. So uh, you can make it out there. Please do pay your respects to Stan Makita and his family. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that they actually let the fans come out in and pay their respects. It's kind of kind of unique and uh, nice. So <clears throat> shifting gears a little bit, uh, the Blackhawks convention came and went. Uh, not really... Uh, they didn't really make the splash they did. Uh, they have in past years with, you know, big signings and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, of course, the uh, subject at hand was the Corey Crawford thing, where he was introduced to the media. He didn't look well. He gave sketchy answers. Uh, and despite what Stan Bowman and the rest of the Blackhawks organization has been spoon-feeding the fans, Corey Crawford kind of left a bit of a different uh, impression on people, uh, which is basically that it doesn't look like Corey Crawford's going to start the season. And, uh, you know, if things don't go, if things don't ramp up a little bit, he may not play at all this season. Well, and when you also factor the fact that he's 34 years old, um, if he plays this season, um, you know, or parts of the season or next, I mean, we, we may in fact at this point have seen the, the high watermark of Corey Crawford as a Blackhawk. And I, you know, um, I just thought, I thought that the, the interview was actually a little sad. I, I felt bad for him. I mean, you could tell that he's worked really hard and he's really struggled. And I, I sensed great frustration that he's not further along and that he's not back on the ice in him. Um, and, and, you know, a, a genuine desire to do so. And, and, uh, and my heart just kind of broke for the guy. I felt bad. Um, yeah. He almost looked like he was going to really, tear up. I, Really wish him well. The other side of it, and you know, those of those of you who listen regularly know we've talked about this all summer. This really explains why before unrestricted free agency started, the Hawks went out and paid Cam Ward what he made last year on his last contract, on the last year of his last contract, um, and gave him a no movement clause. You know, before unrestricted free agency even opened, when there were a lot of other goalies in the market. Um, they went out to get Cam Ward with the, I think, likely eventuality that he was going to have to play a lot of games for the Hawks this year. Um, now we can debate till the cows come home whether Ward was the right guy to go go get to do that. Clearly, he's the guy the Hawks identified that they wanted to play this role. He was not signed to back up Crawford. No way. Yeah, I I went into a long thing about uh, this this goalie thing and how it looks like it's you know it's kind of basically showing what was going on behind the scenes. I think, or at least my impressions are, what was going on behind the scenes that the Blackhawks basically knew this was the state of Corey Crawford because how could they not? Yeah, they just weren't telling anyone. And yeah. you know my my question again, like you mentioned, was you know hey you could have offered the starting job to one of these younger goalies that was looking to start somewhere and say, Hey, look, it's very likely Corey Crawford will miss at least half the season. Um, and you could, you know, you could step right in and be the, you know, Chicago Blackhawks starting goalie and got, and they could have got him for, you know, half the price 
and not had to give him a no movement clause, but that's what they chose to do. Uh, we're going to see, you know, we'll, we'll see how this one veteran guy yeah. who's, who's been there, who's played in the playoffs. Um, you know, people forget Cam Ward won a Stanley cup, um, several years ago, but, uh, he's the same age as Crawford. Um, so I think they wanted that veteran presence, you know, um, and probably, and you know, who, who knows? I mean, I think it would be probably irresponsible of us and unfair to say that Crawford won't play at all this year, but I think it's very fair to say at this point, it's in question how much he will play, if at all. Yeah, that's kind of how I left it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, I'm sure, I'm like 99% sure he's not starting the season. And where it goes no. from there, we, we no one really knows. Yeah, really, we'll honestly, no one knows. <laughs> we can only guess. But, uh, yeah. So, I don't, you know. I don't know where they're going to go in the season. And I think it's going to be Cam Ward and Anton Forsberg, which doesn't, doesn't really give me a lot of confidence. And in, in well, if they had impro- improved the defense in any kind of significant way, then I, I would feel somewhat better about it. Cause Cam Ward and Forsberg is certainly better than uh, Jeff Glass and Forsberg. So, yeah. Uh, but they haven't really improved the defense. I mean, Brandon Manning, you know, will block some shots and, hopefully help in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, if, if Q and the staff finds their, find the right way to use him. Um, he's a guy that I know that the Hawks had on their list that they wanted to go and get to improve their depth. Um, more of a stay at home guy. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but that's not a, that's not a big meaningful improvement to a defense that, you know, had problems and, you know, we'll see, we'll see how they do. I mean, uh, but it's going to be stopping the puck. I think is going to be a problem for the Hawks again this year. Yeah. It's not looking good at all. Uh, and I, you know, they keep feeding us this, this, this stuff. Like everything's okay. We like our team. And, uh, and, uh, you well, know, the other side of it is, is, you know, <laughs> when they say that, I mean, everybody should just take, take, just take it with a huge grain of salt because they're not going to come out and say, we really don't like our team. <laughs> they're not going to do that. <laughs> And, you know, I love it when people say, well, they're not going to make any trades. They're not trying to make any trades. They're satisfied. They like their team. They're saying they're they're saying that because they don't want to tip their hand, number one. And number two, they don't want to create expectations to the fans that they're working on trades. And then they're not able to make to make trades. And the fans just get incredibly frustrated and pissed off. So it's all talk. Um, I've heard all summer they've been trying to make trades. They just haven't been able to get any done. Um, and you know, to their credit, I think I do believe that most of the Blackhawk front office, although apparently there are some who do overestimate the, the quality of this team in the front office, but I think a lot of people in the front office are being, you know, quite level-headed and objective about this and saying, if we're going to compete this year, we got to improve this thing. Um, they just haven't really been able to do it yet. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's not getting any, uh, the, the time isn't, isn't on their side at this point in time. Uh, you know, the free agent market doesn't have a whole lot out there. That's going to help anything more than like a, you know, Cody Franzen and a trade's going to require them to give up assets. Yeah. I mean, that's the, it's really, if they're going to meaningfully improve the team, it's going to have to be a trade. Now Bowman did make some statements to the press that, you know, he, they're going to wait, they're going to do some things in season and, you know, as though that's a really great idea. I personally, the closer you get to that uh, March 1st, February 28th trade deadline, the more it becomes a seller's market 
And if the Hawks, you know, go up to that point as a buyer, they're going to get they're going to get have much worse deals available to them than they have right now. Um, but the other thing I'll say is, is if the Hawks don't make any changes between now and then, um, where they're at in the standings may force an entirely different conversation, and, and we may be more in full rebuild mode at that point if they come out and they don't really overperform what the expectations are right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that if they don't if they don't make a, a move earlier on, uh, the season could be too far gone for them to even for for it even to make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, reading through the questions, we're going to touch on some of this yeah. in the questions tonight, too, because there's some yeah. really good questions that touch on this. Like, you know, what's going to happen with Nick Schmaltz this season? Um, you know, um, and there's 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 just some really good yeah. questions that are going to kind of tee up these issues around, um, you know, what's going to happen with the team. So. Yeah. So, um, well, the next uh, point of contention and you actually touched on uh, two of these, and I touched on the goalie stuff with our blogs uh, the past couple of weeks. But the the uh, the Artemi Panarin chronicles that mm. just seem to never go away. Uh, you laid it out why it, uh, you know, like you said, never say never, but it's probably nonsense all this Panarin stuff, and and why it really just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, you know, I, I, my personal feeling is that the day, I believe it was in late June last year, that that trade was done, the likelihood of Artemi Panarin ever wearing a Hawk sweater again went down to, to pretty darn low. Um, you know, and the, and the, you know, and it's like I said in the blog, the Hawks didn't trade him because he's a bad guy or because, you know, he's a bad player or that they, that they didn't like him. It was, a, it was a dollars and cents decision based upon the fact that they were really concerned about their ability to re-sign him in 2019 when he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So they made that Columbus's problem. They got what they could, which at this point is, is Brandon Saad and Anton Forsberg. And, you know, um, it's now questionable whether the blue jackets are going to be able to sign him. And if they don't, and they don't get some kind of good compensation for him, um, they're going to look stupid. So my guess is that in all likelihood, if, if the blue jackets don't extend Panarin by the trade deadline, they will likely deal him because I don't think they want to go into next summer and lose him. Um, you know, just just because he he's going to help them in the playoffs this year, unless they really think they have a shot at winning the cup. Um, I, I have a feeling they're going to trade him at the trade deadline. It's going to it's going to go to the highest bidder, and whoever bids the most is going to be really confident that they can sign him to, to an extension. And I can also tell you that it's likely not going to be the Chicago Blackhawks because the Hawks can't afford. They don't have the the assets in young players and and high end prospects and draft picks to win that bidding war um, and not completely decimate their team for the sake of getting a left wing that they maybe don't really need that badly. I mean, there's other needs on this team that might be more acute than left wing, even though they're apparently they are apparently pursuing Max Pacioretty. So who knows? <laughs> Again, that's another thing where it's like, you know, I don't know that there's necessarily a huge hole at left wing. And I would rather see them, you know, go out after a, a defenseman, a significant defenseman that can help that defense. I don't think getting a left wing that can give you 30 goals is going to do a whole lot for you. Yeah, I don't think I that totally that doesn't agree. put them over the edge for 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 a rental that now next summer you're not going to be able to resign them. Sure, you can afford them now. 
but that 30 goals isn't going to get you a Stanley Cup. It's not. Yeah, I mean, of all these guys out there whose names are being thrown around as potential trade targets, and it's an unusual year in that regard because you, you've got really three or four players out there that are really high-end players who are being discussed as, as possibly getting traded. The guy, if I'm the Hawks, I'd be looking at is Eric Carlson from Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people talk about Adam Boakvist like he's going to be the next Eric Carlson. Wow, that really remains to be seen. Um, Boakvist has a lot of skill, um, but he's a very small player. He's had a couple of concussions. Um, I, you know, I just Eric Carlson's don't come along every year in the draft. And um, if I'm the Hawks, that's a guy I would go, I would be trying to get right now because. You get him, and this automatically becomes a significantly better team. Yeah, and it um, and it and it plugs a hole. Yeah, you know, if you're going to go spend a lot and give up all these assets, plug a hole. Yeah, they're not. You know, that's that. That's what the thing that I find so funny. Like, you know, you, they they need some depth at center or someone that can win a face off. They need a def, they need some defense. They're they have big questions at goalie. Like those are holes. Center. Yeah, they need a center. Left wing is not necessarily a hole that they need to fill right now, and it's not, uh, it's not a it's not a glaring need. I mean, sure, having a dynamic, but you know the other thing about it is is I don't know. I, I actually think John Tortorella did a better job with Panarin in Columbus than Joel Quenville did with him in Chicago. And part of the issue I think for Panarin is that in in, in Columbus he's the best player on the team. He's the best offensive player by a mile. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, he was playing op- on the opposite end of the ice from the Hawks' best offensive player. And as good as he was in Chicago, I mean, I think he always kind of played a little bit in Kane's shadow. And, you know, his his game in Chicago was basically drifting around the, the, the left circle waiting for that one-timer. It just it seemed that way. Whereas in Columbus, he's all over the ice, and he's making all kinds of plays. And um, I think it, part of that is because he, he is the man in Columbus. And... You know, those who say that, well, he'll want to come back to Chicago. Sure, I'm sure he has some good memories of Chicago. And I'm sure if the Hawks were to bid on him next summer as, as an unrestricted free agent, his time in Chicago and his connections to the team would be a factor. But I, I personally, from everything I've heard, he wants to be on one of the coasts in a big media market like New York, L.A., uh, possibly Florida. Um and I, and I also think he wants to be on a team where, in terms of the offense, the forward offense, he's going to be the man, at least on his line. Right. And uh, yeah. that's that's probably where he will end up. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. It really does. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, we always get the uh, the naysayers. Like, oh, well, the Blackhawks are going to have, you know, 10-plus million dollars in salary cap room next summer. Yeah, that's all good and well. That's with only 12 players on their roster. That's well, and the, the other thing... You yeah. got to resign Schmaltz. You're gonna have to resign Sakura. You're probably yep. gonna have to resign Edsel. Uh, yep. You Ruta's gone. Like uh, they don't have a goalie. I mean, you're gonna have other places where that money's gonna be allocated. Not to mention the guys who you know are currently right now in Rockford that you're gonna have to qualify probably. So it's like, yeah. yeah, that sounds all good and well, but once you start signing these guys up, you don't have nine nine and a half million dollars for our Timmy yep. Panarin. Well, and that's the issue, like, if they go get an Eric Carlson, too. I mean, they're going to have to resign him and pay him a lot of money. But, I mean, Duncan Keith is 35 years old, you know. And if I want to plug in a guy who can drive my offense from the back end for the next five or six years and pay him, eight, you know, $9, 10000000 million, 
Eric Carlson is ready to go. Plug him in, turn him on, let him go. You know, there's no like, um, you know, projection there like you have with a Boakvist or, you know, um, what I mean. But you want a guy to come in and step in and take over for Duncan Keith, that that would be your guy. Yeah, and I, I find it funny, too, that I was making making a joke today and Jay Zawoski caught me where I was like, uh, you know, th- there was a chart, the, an article about Charlie McAvoy. Is Charlie McAvoy the next Eric Carlson? And uh, yeah, Jay's like, that. yeah, every defenseman now that has a little bit of speed and control the puck is now the next Eric Carlson. I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's hilarious. Oh, and there's always there's always the current Eric Carlson, who I believe is only 26 years old. <laughs> I think he's like 27, but 27, 28, but still, I mean, that's still young. Yeah. I mean, he's still got like six, seven really good years left. And uh, I think he's a great player. I think, you know, he gets knocked a little bit for playing his own end. But I remember yeah, a year before last when the Senators went to the finals. I mean, he was, uh, he was, I mean, he was, was it the, did they go to the finals or did they go to the conference finals? Finals. Yeah, I mean, he was terrific, and he was terrific in his own end. I mean, and he played that game like Keith and like Jalmerson, you know, were just he, – he used his stick and he used – and he just the way he thought the game and positioned himself, and he just moved the puck out of trouble constantly. Oh, no, wait. I mean, they were the conference finals because they lost to Pittsburgh. That's right. That's yeah, they lost right. Pittsburgh yeah, in seven overtime. games in, like, overtime, yeah. I think, in game yeah. seven. I mean, yeah. it was a They, were, a they were one series. goal away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so – Anyway, but yeah. uh, we can't get everything we want. So. Yeah, so anyway, I, I, but my whole point about this was that, like, I I get really tired of the mainstream media pumping up this, you know, getting the meatballs all into into a, into a tizzy about, yeah. you know, oh, or Tammy Panarin, he says he'd come back here. Well, then now that, uh, that uh, now, you know, the meatballs all then take that as, well, he's definitely coming back. He said he's coming back. They twist words around and they make, you know, they make it seem what, you know, they make it, they turn it into what they want it to be and, and not right. what, what was really said. And like, I, it sometimes, and I, and I, please, I, please, I hope nobody's too offended by this, but sometimes it's just every summer, it seems like there's a, there's a large segment of the fan base that can seemingly only see the Hawks, their prospects and former Hawks that play on other teams. Beyond that, you know, the dynamics of 29 other NHL teams or 30 other NHL teams, whichever it is at this point, and the prospects of those teams and the desires of other teams. It's like every team out there is waiting to make some really sweetheart deal for Stan Bowman, uh, preferably involving an ex-Hawk. And every prospect the Hawks have is going to be a Hall of Famer. And it's just like, it's like, really? I mean, where's the where, where's the perspective here? Um, there is none. Anyway, yeah, yeah. no, I, I get it. I totally get it. They overvalue prospects and uh, sometimes to their own detriment. And uh, yeah, it's they think every every player wants to come back to Chicago, and just because they played here at one point in time means they automatically want to come back here and they want to take. They, they don't want to make as much money as they would make somewhere else to come back to Chicago, a team that's on the downside. While there's other no. teams out there that are yeah. on the rise, young teams right. that are on the rise that can afford these players where they could have a better situation and probably win more. But no, it's yeah, the Blackhawks the, because they the played here five of, years ago. The days of the Hawks getting sweetheart free agent deals because of the profile of the team and the chance to win a cup. I regret to inform you those days, at least for the time being, are over. Um, you know, this team is not a realistic cup contender. And... Um, you know, 
they just, you know, there's, there's a certain sense that the bloom is off the rose as far as, you know, there was a time when everything the Hawks did just turned to, turned to, to gold. And, uh, um, they had a great hot streak of talent acquisition for about five years from 2002 to 2007. And then they, they added the free agents in 2008 and 2009, Marion Hosa that, you know, just everything they did turned to gold. And, you know, they kind of rode that through to three cups. Um, but now the last couple of years, everything they do is not turning to gold. In fact, it's turning to something else at times. And, um, you know, as a result of that, uh, Stan Bowman now is forced to really compete to get players as opposed to riding on the reputation of a great core of players that he inherited. Um, and, um, you know, just in even the front office, like with this crap with Chelios, it's like, you know, it's just it's a tone deaf move. And this was a front office and a, and a marketing team that did everything right for a few years. Everything yeah. they did was just bang on smart and. You know, but then they go out and get this guy who's essentially a Detroit Red Wing. <laughs> yeah, he's an ambassador for us now. Yeah. You know, it's like um, I don't just the whole that went over like a lead balloon to you know yeah. to, to my eye. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about that. Um, ah, let's not because it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just yeah, it's it's like the the Blackhawks are not one player away or even two players away from being Stanley Cup you know contenders. They're you know they they're, they're going to need like. You know, Alex DeBrinket and Nick Schmaltz to take, you know, two steps ahead and they're going to need, you know, every prospect they've got, you know, to, you know, Henry Yokiharo is going to have to overachieve and everyone's yeah, going to have to overachieve to be able to get back in even yeah. two years into contention yeah. for a Stanley Cup. So why is Artemi yeah. Panera going to come back here and waste two years of his prime because of hashtag three cups? Yeah, the other thing too is people forget is that there's agents involved, and all this sort of nostalgic nonsense about you know Panarin being buddies with Anisimov and all the blah blah blah. You know the agents are going to steer the players to the most money, um, and the best endorsement opportunities, et cetera. And again, if Panarin can go to a market where he's really the guy and potentially the face of the franchise, that's where the agent's going to push him because he can make a lot more money there. Um, and, um, you know, when you're talking about like New York and LA, I mean, those are big media markets. Yeah. You can talk about Chicago all you want, but those are big media markets too, if not bigger, bigger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, and when agents are involved, I mean, all this nostalgia goes away. It's dollars and cents and the best deal for their, for their, for their client and for them. Cause they're yeah. making 10%. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, not gonna, they're, people, not, people they're not, they're not, they're not going to, Go ahead. Yeah, they're not going to take a sweetheart deal to come to Chicago so they can make less money and their player could not succeed. Right. And like, it's not like the player sitting there. It's not like Artie, Artie. It's not like Artie's on the phone with Stan, like, you know, rapping. I mean, there are agents involved and, and there's just a, there's a lot of factors involved. So, I mean, these these rumors and narratives that get started on the Internet sometimes because it just makes so much sense for Hawk fans. It's like, you know, like I said, it, it could happen. It's possible. I wouldn't, you know, but I would put, I'd put personally the likelihood of Panarin coming back this year or next is like 5%. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and, and, and two, I don't care if, uh, you know, he's friends with Artem Anisimov because the Blackhawks are trying to get rid of Artem Anisimov. So they have, and yeah, yeah nobody will know, take him. It sounds like so. he might not even be here. So, you know, what, what, what are you going to have left? Uh, I don't know. You can go I, out and re-sign Victor Tikhanov. <laughs> the great Victor Tikhanov. They're not going to get his other buddy Tarasenko. He's not coming. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So yeah. anyway, yeah. So Blackhawks fans, topic. Pipe it's down. It's not happening. No. Um, and the last thing I just want to. Uh, this was a late developing thing. I want to give a shout out to Mr. John Scott. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to his new podcast, which he's not really promoting a lot of. It's not yeah. really like uh, promoted on Twitter or anything like that. I saw it kind of secondhand through someone else saying, hey, I witnessed John Scott, you know, recording his new podcast with uh, Brian Bickle. And I went, oh, you know, I'll go check it out. I had to do some searching. I found it. It's called Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. <laughs> it's not a, a really long one. It's like, you know, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I think the last one with Bickle was maybe close to an hour at most. Yeah. It's a funny podcast. I like it. Uh, I think, I think you know, John Scott needs to get out and do a little publicity work, and I think that the Ringcast would be a tremendous opportunity for, for Mr. Scott to uh, promote his his uh, podcast, We've and we've talked it up, and uh, I believe yeah. he even liked one of your tweets today. Yes, he did. In, in forcing it, his, his, uh, his uh, podcast, so... Big John, if you're out there listening, we got a spot for you here. To, uh, for sure. The, yeah, drop in the gloss, on that. which I love the name of it. It's great. Yeah, no, it's really good. He, he tells some stories, and he's very candid, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't BS. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He tells it how it is, and, you know, you hear that all the time, and it's a cliche thing. But he, he openly, you know, calls people out that he doesn't like, or if, you know, he was, uh, you know, jerked around by this team or that team or whatever – like he just spits it out. He doesn't care. Uh, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't hide anything. Well, so in, in some of the stories, six, six foot eight, and he can pound the crap out. Of yeah, people. right. And and, he can and, say what he wants. and if nothing else, listen to the one that he did with Bickle because he was Bickle's roommate on the road. Yeah. So you hear some of the stories, um, and then and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I think everyone should go out there and download it. There's enough room for everybody out there in podcast land and whatever. Go out there, download it, listen to it. It's Dropping the Gloves with John Scott. You could probably search for it on iTunes or wherever, you know, you're probably your podcast catcher or whatever. Um, but go out there and check it out. I think it's pretty funny. It's some of the stories and the way he tells them, I just, I was laughing to myself as I was driving to work. And uh, I think all you will, all of you will too. So awesome. So anyway, um, yeah, that's about it. As far as like Blackhawks news and stuff goes. Uh, I don't really have anything new, but we got a bunch of questions, so let's get into them. We're about halfway through this podcast, so or about 30 minutes in. So let's start with uh, Alex Dr. or Alex Doctor. I don't, I never know what this is, but he's asked questions before. He says, "Do you think the trade will? Uh, do you think a trade will be made before the start of the season, considering the host of trade and giving up Henestrosa? It looks very stupid to me if they traded away Henestrosa just to go into the season with the roster." they currently have because of LTIR. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to say that Alex must be a doctor because that is a very, uh, uh, wise and educated perspective. Um, uh, it certainly seems like they should do something with that, with that cap room. Now, I, my information has been, is that the Hawks, at least uh, a couple weeks ago, were trying very hard, especially in the aftermath of the host of trade. They were trying to, to do some deals. And I heard that they were, hot after Mr. Pacioretty, um, but I also then subsequently heard that they were having a very hard time getting deals done because the Hawks' front office was divided on the value of their own players and, and prospects that they might include in these deals, and they just couldn't get anything done. Um, and that was from a pretty reliable source who's given us good information before, like the Ryan Hartman trade last year. Um, so 
yeah, it just seems like you've gotten this this cap money. And unfortunately, that's the problem. Going back to the previous segment, you know, you have this cap money and all of a sudden people have visions of Artemi Panarin dancing in their heads. Well, yeah. And, th- and then there, you know, then then gets to be the complication of like LTIR and all that. And they're like, well, you could throw Corey Crawford on LTIR. The problem uh, with that is. Stop. stop. The problem with that is to make LTIR really work. They have to be as close to the cap as possible when they throw him on LTIR. Right. Then they can they also, go over. I also the cap. believe they are required to use that money to to add a goalie. Yeah, that you have that under the terms of the CBA, you have to have a you have to be getting what is a plausible replacement player. Yeah, yeah, and so what what great goalies are available out there right now that you could just add? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. come on. Exactly. So, I mean, the LTIR thing really isn't isn't plausible either, and uh, that's yeah. why they traded Hosa. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to do something. They have to do something. If they don't, then they're just basically without telling us. They're telling us they're rebuilding. And as I pointed out in my article about Cam Ward, maybe they gave him a little bit of extra money and a no movement clause because he's taking a bullet. Possibly. Yeah. You know, yeah. saying, hey, we're not going to be very good this year. We need a goalie that can sit in there. They can play 60 games. It's not going to get us killed. Uh, right. So we at least look like we're trying to compete. Hey, come on in. We'll give you uh, we'll give you double what anyone else will give you. Yeah. You know, which sounds pretty reasonable, you know, in yeah. the grand scheme of things. Because why else would you overpay that much for a 34-year-old goalie? They couldn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't see it as a huge overpay, um, but I do think it was it, the rationale that you just laid out for why they got him. That's bang on. That's it. That's it. Well, they basically. Uh, I mean, the the way the goalie market was going, uh, goalies much younger than him, and not quite. You know, they don't have as many NHL games, but they're about the same level of uh, goalie. We're 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 only getting. Uh, a million and a half to two million dollars. Now you're going to give three million dollars to a guy who's much older. That's why I say that's an overpayment. They probably gave him a million dollars too much. And you know, no movement clause. And you and I. I don't know if you and I agree on this. I know we've we've had some some lively debate around it. I suspect that part of the reason they brought in Ward is because knowing Crawford might not be around is that they wanted that veteran presence and and um, you know senior senior perspective to perhaps um, provide a positive influence on Anton Forsberg. I don't think they've given up on Forsberg yet, even though some in the fan fan base have written him off already. Um, I, I, you know, I think he was a key acquisition in the, uh, in the uh, aforementioned Panarin trade last year. And, um, you know, he showed at times last year, some, some pretty good, pretty high end ability. Um, He did, he did have a couple of rough games in here and there, but you know, um, it was a it was a total train wreck in net and on defense for the Hawks last year. And I think that I suspect that that's part of the reason they went out and got a a Cam Ward versus a Peter Morazic is they wanted that you know tutelage and and leadership um, at the position and perhaps for the sake of seeing if they can if they can bring Forsberg along. Yeah. All right, moving on to our boy Pappy Hour. Uh, Mr. Gun Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, who just attended the JR hockey camp. I guess he's a big, uh, a big buddy of JR. So, 
Um, yeah, from from what I understand, Pappy himself is uh, is a pretty good hockey player. Yeah, and, I have uh, never seen him play, but I'm going to go by uh, what I've seen on the internet, and uh, you know yeah, what I mean, you see on the internet. Is, we see on the internet. Yeah, what I what you see on the internet is always 100 percent true. Right. But I'm going to go by what I say on the internet, and I I'm going to think that uh, I would not want to face Pappy in a uh, shootout. I get the I get the sense that Pappy uh, is a speed player, just by the, the looks of him, from what I've seen on on uh, on the internet. And he is a so, gear geek for sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he likes to look good out there while he's uh, flexing and uh, speeding around. And just generally around. a good dude, a friend, a he friend is. of the cast. Pappy's so. awesome. Yeah, I met him on uh, the uh, the old three one two podcast, and you know, he, him and Foran yep. were good guys. So yeah. Anyway, what is the best nickname in Blackhawks franchise history? We kind of di- we kind of discussed that we had our our uh, go to ones before we started this. So uh, I'm going to let you go first. Well, first of all, I want to invite for our next pad- podcast somebody to ask what is the worst nickname in Blackhawks franchise history because there have been really bad ones. And uh, The so Bread we'll, Man? We'll address that later. <laughs> Pardon me? The Bread Man? <laughs> That's one of them. I just, and anyone where they take the player's name and they add either S-Y or E-R to the end, those are all really, really bad. Um, but I'm going to, here's what I'm going to go with. And it's, it's perhaps because of the, uh, the name Stan Makita being in the news this week, uh, a player of, of his vintage, um, the golden jet. What a great nickname. It was. Yeah, that was, that was a good, I thought about that one. I yeah. thought about, you know, Mr. Golden jet. I thought about Mr. Goalie. I thought about, uh, uh, I thought about a bunch of them, but, uh, I'm going to go with King Kong Korab. That's a good one. Jerry Korab. Yeah. yeah. He only played That's for a cool couple one. years for the Blackhawks, but that is a great nickname. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see him play. It was, you know, before my time, but uh, that's, a, that's actually a guy that um, forklift from hockey night brought up a lot. That's why I have remembered it. So shout out to uh, forklift over at hockey night. Uh, yeah. He's the reason that I, that I had King Kong Korab, uh, front of mind. So, and you know, with a name like that, he could have transitioned right into professional wrestling. <laughs> and how sure. cool would that be? For sure. Yeah. There's, there's been a bunch of, I mean, you know, there's savvy and Chelly and, uh, uh I, you know what, honestly, uh, Eddie, the Eagle was a good one too. Yeah. Eddie, the Eagle was a good one. And that, yeah. that kind of, you know, they came out really, uh, organically. I mean, I know it was cause yeah. it was mask and everything, but that was a, that was a good one. I really liked Eddie, the Eagle. Uh, you know, and then, you know, there's a lot of them, but, uh, King Kong car abs mine. So thanks Pappy for sending in that question. Uh, boomer GWC sends one in. My last question was about, uh, Vinny, uh, how he wasn't that good. And they traded him. So Anisimov, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he said, my real question, do you think, uh, who do you think will overachieve their expectations? Personally, I have a good feeling about Murphy and Tyler Sakura hopeless fool oh. that I am. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm gonna actually uh, parlay that over a little bit with uh, Aaron, our boy Aaron Goldschmidt. He uh, he actually says, "What do you see in uh, Tyler Sakura?" So I'm gonna kind of you know put those in together. Uh, I'm kind of still on the you know that Murphy will rebound and, and show something. He's only 25. I really really like to see him you know take that next. He and and really honestly, towards the second half of the season, he really played pretty well. He was one of the better defensemen on the Blackhawks. 
Uh, he was kind of overshadowed by the tire fire, the smoldering, blazing tire fire that was going on around him. But he actually played pretty well, uh, you yeah. know, once he settled in. So I'm kind of hoping you know, for that. I've been a been a big supporter and believer and fan of Joel Quinville. But the way that they've handled young defensemen um, and some veteran defensemen the last few years has been um, mystifying. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Trevor Daly, uh, most recently Michael Kempney, and certainly uh, Connor Murphy as well. I mean, you know, apparently Murphy started the year in, in Quenville's doghouse um, playing the right side, and he did struggle a little bit. You could tell he was kind of feeling his way and kind of lost out there, the deer in the headlights look. And then they moved him over to the left side out of necessity, and suddenly he's like one of their best defensemen. Um, so he's one of those guys who, you know, can play both sides, which is a rarity and a real value. Um, you know, a guy who can play relatively equally well on both sides. And he's a better defenseman probably than Trevor Van Riemsdyk. What am I saying? Probably he is. He's better than, than TVR. Um, and, you know, he, and we've talked about it. I mean, he's, he's one of the few defensemen they have who will make guys think twice and, and have their head in a swivel coming across the blue line because he'll, he'll pace somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, he's not a great skater. Um, he's not a guy who's going to, you know, you know, be a, a great puck carrier by any, by any stretch of the imagination. But he was funny. I was thinking about him the other day. He's one of those guys, I think, that as he learns, you know, to play within his skills and his limitations and um, the fact that he can play both sides like that tells me he, he probably thinks the game pretty well. And, and um, he's a guy, I think, who with time can become a pretty competent sort of four or five NHL defenseman. And, um, you know, why not? Because after, you know, when you get past Duncan Keith, eh, you know, um, Seabrook is, is on the decline, although Seabrook really improved toward the, the latter, latter part of last year. I mean, he was at times the Hawks best defenseman. So, you know, maybe he's still got a little bit left and yeah, I, I, I would agree. Murphy's a guy that I think could overachieve. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, uh -oh. and, you know, this this could be just completely uh, swing for the fences and a miss, a Dave Kingman strikeout. But uh, a guy I think could, first of all, I, I don't know that he will make the Hawks, but I think he could. And I think could be a really pleasant surprise is our guy, Alex Fortin. I'm going to go with Alex Fortin. Dab the brakes. <laughs> Thanks, Lass. Back yeah, I mean, he, he, based on what I saw in, in camp or in uh, – prospect camp it's very possible it could happen um so he, I, what i heard is he's looking he's looking this year like he looked two years ago yeah. before he had all those those injuries and sports hernias and crap like that and uh you know what because two years ago in camp and not just in prospect camp but in pro camp um the he looked like a guy who was going to be a pretty good nhl player real soon and uh um, you know, he's got terrific speed. He can make plays at top speed. Um, he's very competitive. He's always around the puck, decent size. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, the Hawks have question mark as their fourth line left wing. Well, I'm going to put I'm going to pencil Alex Fortin in there and say that's a guy who is going to be a nice little surprise for the Hawks this year. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's very possible because there you go. I mean, the confidence. He that's another thing that he had was confidence. That, yeah, that, that's a way I can describe what I saw when he had yeah. the puck on his stick. He knew what he was going to do with it, and he was yep. confident he could do. He you know he could pull off whatever he wanted to do with it, and yep. uh, that's something that you don't always see. Sometimes you know 
in, in today's NHL, it's like, you know, you get the puck, you you get your head up, you find an open guy, you hit the open guy. He was like, no, I'm taking this puck and I'm taking it to the net. I'm going to, you know, he, he's circling around the zone. He's carrying yep. the puck. He was, you know, a significant, uh, you know, personality or significant player out there. Uh, yeah, that's again, that's against prospects. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A little older than some of those prospects, but you know, two years ago against pros, he would he he looked every bit like he belonged. And um, yeah, confidence. The other thing I like about Fortin is that he doesn't have those, you know, outsized expectations of a high draft pick. He knows that he's going to have to be a role player in the NHL, and he's and at best he's going to be a guy that they spot on different lines and use in different situations. He he already knows that. He, he in his interviews he talks about that, and um, you know he's prepared for that. And I think he's a guy who's going to go out and compete, and we'll see. I think if he makes the team, he could be a really nice surprise for this team. Yeah, uh, that's that's not a bad bet, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but we'll circle back to uh, Aaron Goldschmidt's favorite person here, Tyler Sakura. Um, I don't think that's a Sakura we got to worry about as much right. as other one. Yeah, I mean. Tyler Sakura is a nice story. He's, you know, getting in his later 20s. He had a good good season in uh, in Rockford last year, and that's all good and well. But, uh, you know, I, I don't see a place for him with the Blackhawks. Uh, I don't see that he's got enough, you know, necessarily speed and skill to be, you know, to take it to that pro level. He could be a very good AHL player, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. 39 no. points in 74 games last year in Rockford. He had, uh, you know, a pretty good playoff. He had what five, he had six points in 13 games. Uh, you know, uh, he played with Iowa the year before, uh, you know, he, he had 29 points in 39 games in the ECHL. I still just think that I don't know that I see necessarily a place for him. I don't know why, unless you're, you know, just going to fill spots with names for a tank. Why? you would necessarily have him there over anyone else. Uh, he's just a guy. He's okay. He's okay. He's not great. He's not, you know, but there's a lot of guys who like, you know, score a lot of goals in the AHL that don't do anything in the NHL. So yeah, he, he really didn't, he hasn't done anything necessarily that, that leads me to believe that he's going to come up to the NHL. And, and I, again, this goes back to, you know, mm. everyone being in love with the prospects. Yeah. And, you know, like you said with Victor Edsel, he had a really good AHL season at the end of the season last year, but it's against AHL players. Yeah. The NHL is, you know, a different a, a different animal. Now, you know, he's a guy, too, though, that I, I considered for my, uh, you know, overachieve the expectations guy. Um, yeah, I'm an Edsel fan. Uh, but I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that happen. I yeah. don't know that it will because... Um, I di- didn't see at the NHL level that he had that sort of ability to dominate like he did at the AHL. But then again, it may come for him. Yeah, um, but again, Victor, Victor Etzel was also a player who played pro in Sweden. Yeah, he played yeah. pro. So I mean, he, and he's three years younger than Etzel, or I mean, than uh, Sakura. He's much bigger than Sakura. Uh, you know, he could, he might be able to play center, but I, who knows? So yeah. I see if you're going to take a chance on a, on a young player, possibly, you know, you might want to go to younger player who you're going to, who you're going to be controlling because he's got an RFA. I'm just looking at, you know, the, the, the big picture here. If Tyler Sakura comes out and scores a thousand goals, like Kyle Bond did, then 
fine, whatever. Maybe he makes the NHL. Maybe he plays 10 NHL, NHL games before he goes back down. But I don't see Tyler Sakura as being a long-term solution anywhere in the Blackhawks. Nah. You know, and that's that's fine. He could be a spot guy, come up and down, fill in here and there. Um, I think. Do you think, you think maybe Boomer was talking about Dylan Sakura? <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I don't. He is waiver exempt. Tyler Sakura is waiver exempt, so that's another thing he has to do with his advantage. Is that the Blackhawks can you know bring him up and down without him having to go through waivers? Uh, but you know he's he's only signed for one year. Uh, then he's a, a a full UFA. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I just... up with this Tyler Sakura nonsense. We have many more questions to cover. Yeah, for sure. Um, Nick Lux is Schmaltz going to play mostly at wing or at center this season? Center. Yeah, he's because gonna... he... they don't have anybody else to play right. center. If they had someone else there, they it, it might be a smart idea to move him, but uh, I don't think. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm with you. Uh, Sully 26 with Stan Stan's passing. I've seen a list thrown around of top 10 Blackhawks of all time. Lots of recency bias with Taves topping some of the best ever to play. I understand three cups, but I can't see him above Savard Espo. What is your top 10 list? Wow. Do you have one? Oh, I could quickly cobble one together. All right. Well, I'll go first and I'll let you, uh, you get yours together. I kind of, I, I took a little time to put this together. And some of these could be probably flip-flopped a little bit, but, um, and this is kind of probably recency bias too. It's, I, I put Stan Makita first. I put Patrick Kane second. I have then Hull, Savard. Uh, then, of course, because I'm a goalie, I have a little bit of goalie uh, bias with uh, Hall and Esposito back-to-back. Then I put Taves, Palat, uh, Duncan Keith, because, I mean, you can't, can't discount what Duncan Keith's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I threw Chelios in there because I like Chris Chelios. He uh, he uh, he played for the Blackhawks during an impressionable part of my life, which is my teenage years. I uh, I played defense some wow. at that point in my life. I kind of I wore number seven for a while. I liked Chris Chelios. I liked how rough he was. You know, rough and tumble he was. He was kind of like uh, he, he more of an asshole version of. A defensive Stan Makita kind of, you know, he was, he How wasn't the big. How many seasons big... did Chelios play with the Hawks? How many seasons? Yeah. I don't know exactly off the top of my head. Seven? But something like that. Yeah, roughly. Uh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to puncture your Chelios. No, go ahead. Keep going. Are you done with your list? No, that's it. Chelios was the last one. That was number 10. All right. So I'm going to go with at the top of the list, I am going to go with Bobby Hall. And then after that, and it's taking out anybody's personal off-ice biases towards towards players or, or whatnot. Uh, I'm going to go with Bobby Hall at the top of the list. Then I'm going to go with Patrick Kane. Then I'm going to go with Stan Makita. Nah. Then I'm going to go with Taves. And you know, I think I just I think it's ridiculous to put Dennis Savard above Taves. Um, you know, I think clearly the luster is off Taves because he's had a couple of off years or bad years, whatever you want to call them. But I mean. <laughs> This is the guy who was basically the cornerstone of the greatest era in Blackhawk hockey history. Um, and he's only 30 years old. He may still have some surprises left in him. But, man, I mean, um, I don't think those three cups happen without him. I, I really don't. So, okay, so I got um, Hall, Makita, Taves, Kane. Um, going to go with uh, Pierre Pelote. 
I'm going to go with uh, Duncan Keith. I'm, where am I at? Six? It's, uh, six or seven, yeah. Yeah. No goalies go yet. With Tony Esposito. All right. Um, uh, I got Keith. I got Polo, Tony Esposito. I'm going to go with Savard. I'm probably at eight now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go Marion Hosa. Ooh. I don't see how you put. So I don't see how you go with Chelios and go and not go with Hosa because they played about the same amount of years with the Hawks, and Hosa did more. He accomplished more. Um, and then I guess my last guy, who's it going to be? Um, Enrico Ciccone. No, um, it's going to be Glenn Hall. Uh, um, I'm going to go Steve Larmer. All right, fair enough. None of them are wrong answers. So, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's all that's good. Though. I like that question. Yeah. I just, uh, my Savard argument was that he was, you know, third in the league in scoring and, you know, he was a dynamic, uh, he, unfortunately the rest of the team around him wasn't all that great sometimes, but, uh, you know, uh, that's, that, that was my reasoning behind the whole Savard thing. Plus my brother's favorite player is Dennis Savard and, uh, oh, I love Savvy, you know, yeah, I, I've, Seen and but, heard you know, enough about like, Dennis Savard in my Savvy life. Was like was like you know a giant among midgets. I mean, meaning uh, there was they, he played on some a few really good hawk teams, but he also played on some bad hawk teams too. You know yeah. where he was like it. You know, yeah, especially when he first came around. Yep, for sure. Um, Derek Ciavellas, the over under on ninety five points this season. I say under. <laughs> Under. Yeah, we both <laughs> I knew under. we were both going there. Yeah, we both go under. Yeah. Uh, next question from my friend, who is actually really a doctor. My friend, Doctor Z, Mike Zikas, uh, who is. See, it's funny, Doctor Z. Actually, going back to the nickname question, um, one of the, one of my favorite all time hockey nicknames, and actually it involves two two ex Hawks, the one who gave it to the player and the player. Um, the player, Dr. Z, was Dr. Zayas. That was Lyle. Lyle Odeline was named Dr. Zayas by um, by uh, Matthew Barnaby <laughs> because he said he looked like the character from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm anyway, sorry for that digression, but that was a great nickname. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So my boy, Dr. Z, who coincidentally, one of the one of the, one of the hockey players that I've played with, who, who I respect the most, he's one of like the top two or three players that uh, he doesn't even necessarily always realize it, but uh, a really good guy, super funny dude. Like one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. So uh, he, but he has a couple of questions here. First one was the general thoughts about Panarin. I think we kind of went through that. So uh, we won't uh, get too much. plays left wing. Yeah. Um, And then then I'm going to take his which is what the, uh, never mind. What? And lastly, uh, he, I'm going to go with the last one. He said the fucking goalie situation, which, of course, I, can't, I think we kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, but then I'm going to go, I'm going to finish up on his second question, which was also, a few friends have gone to the CPHL games and noticed Debrinket notches above others out there. Uh, what does this year bring for him? So this is a good thing to, to, for us to discuss. Debrinket. Uh, so let's, let's bear in mind the context of that question, the CPHL which is guys that it's guys moonlighting from Gates beer league um, are, are on those, some of those rosters. No, I mean, I'm, to be serious, no, these are guys who some of them are pros and some of them are near pros. And, and, but overall, if, if uh, a Hawk player is not 
at least somewhat dominant in these games, we got a big problem. Um, and now, all that said, and I'm not here to bash Alex Dabrinkat because I, over the course of last year, became a, a bit of a cat lover. Um, not like a cat lover like some people we know. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Nailed> uh, it! <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I think he's competitive. He's got that great quick shot. And boy, does he know how to use it and get it off. And, you know, he's, he's pretty good also past the puck at, t- at times. And, and uh, so I, I think for Debrinket, it's just, you know, learning, c- continuing to learn the NHL game. And uh, I, I think that they're, I, I think they're looking at him on uh, Taves' right wing. I think is is that where they got him penciled in right now? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, uh, I've seen different, yeah, all kinds of different things. But yeah, he could be, he could be over there now. They, I don't think you know, everybody gets all excited and all squishy about putting him with Kane and Schmaltz. But the problem is, you don't have anybody to go retrieve pucks on that line, and that's why they've never done it. They don't. There's no road grader, nobody to create havoc around the net. And uh, that's so he's probably going to play with with uh, Sod and Taves. And uh, quite honestly, I, I'd be interested to, to let that let that, you know, marinate for 25 games and see where that goes, because, uh, you know, he's he's a competitive little guy. And, um, you know, he he got knocked on his butt a few times last year. And I think he learned some things about keeping his head up in the corners and, and uh, you know, what to do, and what not to do. But uh, um you know, I, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, if the Hawks are gonna have any hope of having a good year, they need they need him to really be um, a producer consistently for them, and not a guy who dominates against third pairing defensemen, which he was at times last year. Yeah, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, and going back to like that CPHL thing and the Beauty League or whatever. I mean, you you're seeing you see these highlights out there, and yeah, that's great. These guys are going half speed. They're not even playing. No I one's know. hitting. They're going half speed. It's basically just rat hockey for pro players. Right. And, you know, the goalies have no chance. So, you know, it's two on nuns and just breakaways back and forth. And the same people who will, you know, look sideways at you about what you say about someone from prospect camp will then come out and, 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 you know, go on and on and on about these highlights from these leagues. And, Really, it's just guys out there keeping their legs moving and, you know, just so that they're doing something other than no defense at all, you know, just, yeah, they're, they're not playing defense They're but they're instead of just working out, you know, doing off ice training and stuff, they're still going out there on the ice and playing a little yeah. bit yeah. and seeing some pucks in, in, in a semi game uh, scenario. So I wouldn't take too much from the CPHL thing, but putting to bring it. Uh, you know, on uh, up at the uh, right wing with Taves. I mean, it seems like the reasonable thing to do at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, you know, because yeah, obviously, uh, Joe Quenville doesn't want to put Patrick Kane there, and that's no. fine. But uh, you know, you, you kind of have to even things out a little bit. You can't have all of the same kind of player on one line. It just doesn't necessarily work. I mean, I worked with Panarin, but Panarin was an extenuating circumstance. And he also had Artem Anisimov out there most of the right. time, which then was the guy who was going to go into the corner and get that puck. Right. When, he was puck. And that's, yeah. and you talk to Anisimov and ask him what his job is. He'll tell you, I go retrieve pucks. Yeah. And stand that's in front of the up. net and pick up rebounds yeah. and, and people, you know, bank the puck off my stick into the net. Right. That's right. basically I mean, he was actually is. a really good line mate for those two guys yeah. because of the space he created. And, and he, you know, he knew how to play with them and, and, uh, 
I, I, I'm kind of intrigued by giving Debrinket a full season with Taves and Saad. And, you know, I think our, our, our buddy Cat could actually maybe help ignite those guys. But that line is going to have to become, you know, a slightly different in how it plays versus how it was when Hosa was on it. Because when Hosa was on it, that was a, you know, a pure puck position, down low, grind it out, create opportunities type of line that could burn you with speed. But but most of their game was was really just cycling in the offensive zone and, and just wearing guys down, long puck position. It may be a little different with Debrinkit, and it may be a little bit more Taves, you know, setting up Debrinkit and Saad, Saad doing a little more hard work down low and, and creating space for him and letting Debrinkit just, you know, get out in, in, you know, in front of the net and get that shot off. Well, it's inter- interesting to see. The, the, the dynamic of the, the defensive possibilities on that line are going to change slightly, too. Yeah, because oh, yeah. yeah. you know Debrinket is you know he's not the worst guy in defense, but he's not Marion Hosa either. No, n- not many guys are. Right, exactly. And I, I'm not saying that there's there, right. necessarily anyone you could put in there that could you know fill that slot. I'm just saying the dynamic of that is going to change, and it's going to be a little right. bit different. So, and uh, the last question uh, from Aaron, our boy Aaron. I, I did. Uh, we already talked about the Tyler Sakura thing, but. Uh, he also said uh, the over/under on the number of goalies that will start a game this year. Uh, Good question. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with four. Me too. That would be my over/under. And then if you ask me which I'm gonna take, I'm gonna optimistically take the under at three. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, with Cam Ward being the age that he is, if the Blackhawks are seeing a lot of shots, you you could see an injury. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, and you means- could see Anton Forsberg, you know, just psychologically melting down. Um, um, that's possible. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, and that, and then we're back where we were last year, um, which would not be good. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, I actually think, you know, Warden Forsberg is not, you know, the greatest goalie tandem in history. Um, but it could, if they, if they stay healthy and the team plays reasonably well in front of them, um, they could, you know, one could, you know, Ward could play 60 games and Forsberg could play 20, 22 games and Bob's your uncle, you know? Yeah. You know, we might see some Colin Delia, my boy, but uh, we could even see see some some Kevin in because really that's all they've got at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if you're, if you're seeing any of Matt Tompkins, then, uh, that, that, that's, that's trouble. The the former Ohio State Buckeye great Matt Tompkins. Yeah, yeah. If they get that far down the depth chart, uh, you're, you're that's uh, that's Alec Richards. Uh, Alec territory. Richards and uh, oh, Matt Caruth. Yeah. yeah, that's that's right about where you're at. So anyway, so that wraps it up. That's uh, that's yeah. it for questions. I don't think uh, yeah we we didn't get any other ones, so that's it. All right. Uh, so you can find all of our wonderful content at www.the-rink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official. Uh, you can find the Rinkcast at the Rinkcast. You can find me at pocket hostel. You can find you at Jekyll, J A E C K E L. If you get a chance, please head over to iTunes rate and review us. Even if you just rate us and don't review us. Uh, again, I will read it on the air. If you do give us a review though, uh, I think I got all my plugs out there. Puckpedia, uh, Mr. John Scott, uh, you know, uh, best wishes out to, to the Makita family. Um, I think I'm, uh, I don't think I'm missing really anyone. 
Uh, you got anything By else? Way, Big, Big John Scott is my daughter's favorite black uh, Blackhawk of all time. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, as a personality, he's a good guy. He really is a good guy. Was you know <laughs> wasn't the most talented player out there, but he did what he did what he uh, came to do. I guess you could say. Yeah, he was he was good at punching faces. That's for sure, man. Just ask. Uh, he was a freaking mastodon out there, man. Just just ask Kevin Westgarth. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Westgarth got his features rearranged in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, and and again, getting going back on that, he he talks about a couple, uh, you know, uh, guys who he had to fight, or uh, you know, his thought process on when he was going to have to fight, and how much he prepared, knowing who he was going to have to fight, and it's kind of a cool insight. It's not like. You know, they just got this guy they're dragging along uh, who's not really, you know, up up to the talent level of everyone else. They just kind of drag him along on the roster and occasionally throw him out there, you know, as some kind of a sideshow freak. Like, there, there's a lot more that goes into it. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, Bob Probert's book was was really great for that, for that kind of insight about, you know, but that was like, that was a whole different era of NHL fighting too. And the, um, that Ice Guardians, uh, which I think yeah. uh, are guys that, Puckhockey.com have a little uh, a line, yeah. I believe, of uh, yeah. Ice Guardians uh, apparel that you can go over there. Remember, uh, Puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y. So go over there, check out Ice Guardians, check out um, uh, Snoop Dogg, but buy the rink gear. <laughs> you could buy the, you could buy Snoop too, but buy the rink as well. Yes. So, you know. <laughs> Use the discount code, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, all caps. <laughs> yeah, ten percent off. Uh, you, you and you get free gifts when uh, you order stuff. And if you do over a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you get free shipping. So all that good stuff. Go to puckhockey.com. They got good stuff. Uh, and you can get Marion Hosa gear there too. So don't yeah. forget that. They I should... want to get. You know, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to get that um, that Scully with the uh, ten, thirteen, fifteen on it. That yeah. thing's pretty cool. That's going to be my next purchase. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's good. You got uh, no more plugs. You're good. Uh, no, no plugs. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everyone, make sure you uh, pay attention. You know, the next couple of weeks, we have some good guests coming up. Like I said, Puckpedia uh, looks like right now we have booked and I'm going to announce it here. Charlie Romeliotis will be joining us uh, in a couple of weeks. We're, so we're Charlie and I throw down for who has the best flow in the Hawk blogosphere. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, and I think I think he's going to be put to shame by this old man. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, uh, Puckpedia, things like that. We're going to try and get Glover on soon when his... Uh, his uh, the official film and TV actor of the rig.com. Yeah. Jeff when his schedule allows for it. And we still got to get Mark from uh, Periphery. So uh, lots of good stuff this summer. We're, we're, we're not going to leave you hanging. Yeah, we've got... Actually, we've got a long list of people that we got commitments from last year that we just haven't had a chance to get on yet. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to really up the game, um, on the, uh, on the pot, on the ring cast in terms of our guests this year. So, uh, stay tuned. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this year on the site and on the podcast. So we got yes. a lot of good stuff coming. Yes. We're only, we're only getting better. So we're just, we're sort of transitioning out of our infancy into a, uh, the terrible twos. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, that said, thanks for taking time out of your business schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the range.